time is for to lay it all down, God. We lay down our burdens and choose to pursue you in worship, God. We make the choice to stand in praise. We thank you for your presence, most worthy one.
would receive the fullness of your grace, that we would own it, that we would understand this new family, this new identity that you give so freely through Jesus. We declare who you are, this new identity, God, this new life.
let us remember that the victory is yours. That hope is alive. Jesus, how we thank you. How we praise you. We thank you for this gospel. It's how great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. That's right. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. We declare this church. Jesus Christ, my living home. Who could imagine how great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to
what a blessing it is to come together. God, we are so thankful for your living hope. We're so thankful, Father, that we are set free in your name. Father, thank you that we have this time to sing praises to your name, to sing glory to your name, to gather in your church and to worship you together in one accord. Father, we are blessed. I pray that your spirit would just flow through this room, Lord, that we would sense and know your presence is here with us as we worship together. God, I just pray that every person in this room would just sense your presence, Lord, that they would feel your glory shining here. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here. Would you take a minute just to wave, elbow bump, say hi to some people around you? worship team I don't know I love it I love it you know <laughs> I know they're amazing did you know that Pastor Weston actually wrote a portion of that middle song we sang today because uh, the lyrics weren't exactly on point and he and Pastor Greg both kind of agreed and he's like I'm just gonna rewrite it so I don't know that's talent right I think that's pretty awesome so uh, we can still they really enjoyed the song as a whole so they thought well we'll just change a few of the lyrics and it wasn't just a few it was like the whole middle portion so I just think that's pretty cool that we have a really awesome worship pastor so he's like blushing over there but that's okay <laughs> it's good it's really good <laughs> uh, but we are super blessed by it um, and uh, I, I don't know I just I, if you don't know who I am I'm Pastor Allison I'm our children's pastor and I'm often well almost always down the hallway with the kids, which I joy in being able to be with the kids. Uh, but it means that I'm not often in this room with you. And so when I get the chance to be a part of our whole worship team and uh, the worship together, it's pretty, it's a big blessing for me. So anyway, I'm, I'm grateful for it. And uh, if you're wondering, uh, Pastor Greg was planning to be here and he's quite bummed about not being able to be here because he had planned to do his last message in the series for CrossFit. Um, so, and he was really excited, but he's like, man, I just felt like this message was ready to go and he was excited for it. But, uh, you know, in this time he actually was, uh, exposed to somebody who had tested positive for COVID. And so just being vigilant with the rules, uh, he's not here today and actually does have a slight fever. So who knows, you know, we just, we, the board actually encouraged him to wait till Monday to be tested in any way, which is, uh, kind of the new, uh, the new way is wait five days and then you only have to quarantine for seven unless, of course, you test positive. So, um, you know, but the truth is it just reminds us how much uh, we need to be praying for people, especially right now. 
Uh, I hope that you got an email this week from us. If you didn't, that means we might not have accurate information for you. So uh, if you are new with us especially, uh, there are little cards right in the front of your seat back right there that you could fill out to let us know you're new. Or if you want to give us your email address for communication, you can do that on that card. But the other place I want to point you to is your cell phone because uh, I think it's even an even better spot for you to give us your information because I can read your handwriting online. Sometimes I have trouble reading your handwriting when you're trying to write on, you know, your Bible or something anyway, and the handwriting gets a little funny. So uh, you can actually access that same card that's in the back of your seats right on your phone at our church website, mrccnow.org. There's a little button that says connect. If you click on that, uh, you can kind of update information, or you can tell us that you're new. I promise we won't do anything scary. Uh, we just want to say hi. We say welcome. Uh, and then uh, from there, any communication that we send out, if uh, you make MRCC your church home, we want to be able to communicate with you the best that we can. So there's all that. And I'm going to pray over our offering this morning. I only have one real big announcement is that uh, Sisters of Strength is tomorrow night. Uh, so if you're able to join us, 630 here in the sanctuary, uh, and we'll join together for fellowship and a time with ladies and hearing from God's word. So join us. And then in a couple weeks, it is daylight savings time, March 14th. So I don't know. My phone tells me that stuff, so I kind of rely on it. So I really hope it's going to keep going <laughs> for me. Um, but just so you know, in case, uh, you know, use the old school uh, alarm clock at home, it probably won't know that, so Daylight Savings is coming. So let me pray for the offering. Uh, just so you know, obviously during this time, we don't pass the offering bucket around. We just have some bowls right up here in the front. Uh, if you are a guest, we want you to be our guest. Don't feel obligated to give, but uh, we just want to pray over the blessings that we have. We've been able to uh, give so much this in this season uh, because of your faithful giving. So let me pray for us. God, we are so thankful uh, just for the faithful giving here. And we just pray over the offering that comes Lord, that we would be faithful stewards of it, uh, Lord, in the way that we might be able to reach our community, uh, share and help other people, and, and run ministries here. God, we're thankful. We're grateful for it. Um, we just ask you to bless the offering in your name. Amen. Amen. And so I get to be here to share with you, and I just want you to know... Um, I was actually supposed to preach on February 14th, which was the day that the snow, like that big snowstorm, took us out and we weren't able to be here. So um, uh, it actually worked out that I was like, well, see, you know, the Lord was just ready for me. <laughs> I'm teasing. I really wish Pastor Greg could be here. I know he would rather be here as well. But I have, uh, you know, prior to February 14th, Pastor Greg had asked me uh, to just see what the Lord had put on my heart and give him some opportunity to kind of stir up a message for me to be able to share with you. So I did that, and I really feel like the Lord's put a ton of good, I hope, good stuff on, on our hearts uh, to be able to share together today, and then hopefully we'll have Pastor Greg back real soon to share about CrossFit. I told him, I said, I, the only CrossFit I know is like at the gym, and I'm not ready to do that right here, so I'm going to go with this title, Greater Love, <laughs> because, uh, you know, February 14th would have been Valentine's Day, so I thought, you know, what greater love is there than the love that Christ has for us, that he died on the cross for us, so that's really where we're going to put our focus in today, so if you didn't celebrate Valentine's Day, um, here you go right? This is our chance. Now, I'm teasing. Uh, I said it was the worst Valentine's Day ever for us. I mean, we were up in the rafters, uh, no joke, digging snow. Like, <laughs> there was so much snow that had blown in that we were literally shoveling snow into bags and delivering them down 
the ladder. It was really crazy. Not my favorite Valentine's Day. But I did get to go out and play in the snow with my kids. So there's that. And my, oh, I could go on forever. My kids made this really cool fort. They're like, you know how the snow had blown up into big drifts? So the dog was the first one that went running into the drift of snow and just thought it was amazing. So my kids are like, we could do that. And they literally went in there and built forts out of the snow that was already banked up high. So I don't know. I hope you guys had fun in the snow. But uh, my question for us to get us started this morning, though, is what do you find extremely annoying? Something that just gets under your skin. And when I say that, I mean, I'm going to tell you all the ways on our staff people get annoyed with me or with each other. Are you ready? I mean, why not? (laughs) If you know Janae... Uh, if she thinks you're doing anything super annoying or, or wrong, she'll like laser focus look you in the eye and she'll say, illegal. <laughs> so that's how you know that you're annoying her. So uh, I won't tell you the ways that I annoy her yet, but I can tell you, I'm going to throw Pastor Greg under the bus since he's not here to defend himself. If you're ever in his office, I will tell you how you can annoy him. Okay, ready? He can't stand it when you click a pen like over and over again. But then it's even worse if you leave it open when you put it back in the cup holder. So I just give you permission, if you're ever in the office, to click all the pins and leave them open. (laughs) Okay? (laughs) You will drive them crazy. Um, Diane's one of the gals in our office, and she can't stand it when we rub. So if anybody's rubbing their hands or rubbing on a surface or rubbing their legs, oh, she will just... You could just see it, and she, she looks at you, and you just know, I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing, I'm sorry. So uh, that's, that's Diane. I have to tell you, the thing for me is, you'll, you'll notice if you come to my office often, I have music playing, and it's not because I want the environment to be awesome. I mean, that's kind of nice. But the reason is, it dry, like, noises drive me crazy. It takes my focus away. Like, if somebody's chewing, eating food... <laughs> especially in that little sound. I'm like, I can't focus. So I play music and it makes it sound like I'm holy, but really it's because I don't want to be driven crazy. Good? Okay. Um, And actually, um, my daughter and I actually share some of these kind of fetishes. She thinks it's disgusting if you slurp your cereal or that slurping sound. And it's so funny to watch her because she just gets so annoyed with her brothers. It's like, and they know it too, right? And so one of my son's will like suck from this far away. He'll start sucking before the fishy cracker gets to his mouth. And she'll be like, how do you slurp a fishy cracker? (laughs) Well, I think he's doing it on purpose, sweetheart. But um, yeah, there's, I don't know. There's just so many things like noises that kind of drive her crazy. The other thing that drives us crazy is snoring at night. I just can't get back to sleep. But the other piece is when my kids show up and I'm dead asleep and they're like this far from my face. That drives me a little bit crazy. Um, I don't know. I hope you're like relating to some of these a little bit um, because uh, I'm sure that there's uh, maybe driving fetishes. Do you get kind of annoyed with different people's driving, like the way they drive? Because we drive perfect, right? But sometimes the way, like I, can't, I have a hard time sitting while my husband's driving. And, and I probably do the exact same thing. But he'll be driving along and I'll think he's too close to the person in front of him. And I'm like, I need more space between us, Okay. <laughs> Give more space for me. Uh, Anyway, uh, so those are some fun driving. The other thing that I I hope uh, I'm sure you will relate to is when someone puts milk back in the refrigerator with like that much left in it. And I think, well, I thought there was a full gallon left in the fridge, so I didn't buy any at the grocery store today. We could have just drank that and told me we needed more milk. Okay. Or my kids love to eat. They're snackers, so they'll eat snacks. 
but they'll leave like two chips in the bottom of the bag and then they'll put it back in the cupboard and then someone will be like, awesome, I'm going to have a snack and all that's left are crumbs. Okay, exactly. Oh, okay. So I'm glad you're relating a little bit. to. Okay, how about the toilet paper? Should we talk about the toilet paper for a minute? I mean, when somebody leaves it there with like two squares of tissue left on it, I'm sorry, that's not going to do us any good. <clears throat> Replace it. Okay, the last one. I'll give you one more. Um, laundry, right? The stuff that gets stuck in pockets. And I tell my kids, you can leave money in your pocket all day long. That's fine. I will collect your money. I will keep your money. I'm okay with that. It's the chocolate bar that bothers me because then it ruins all the laundry. So uh, anyway, are you relating to some of these? I'm sure you have other little, little things that kind of drive you crazy, a little bit annoying. Um, but I figured in context of this greater love, um, theory, this, this message we're doing today, it would be kind of fun to make fun of some of the little annoying behaviors um, because it actually does remind us how often that we actually need to sacrifice even those feelings of annoyance for the sake of other people, you know, because I will never tell you if your chewing is bothering me, <laughs> but it might feel like it inside, um, or even the snoring. Sometimes I do kick poor David. Uh, anyway. Just a little nudge is what it is. It's not so much a kicking, right? But uh, anyway, as we, as we talk about greater love, I think we realize that sometimes we have to make sacrifices, right? And I'm talking about silly stuff right now, but I think you get the idea uh, that for the sake of others, there's a lot of times that we need to make some sacrifices in order to be able to show love. So I have one more really silly example. Are you ready to hear this one? It's, a, it's about my daughter. Now, the only reason I bring it up is because I pay my kids five bucks every time I talk, to, talk about them in church. So I got to get my full money's worth out of this one, okay? So um, this is just a fun example of sacrifice. So my daughter um, had to learn about sacrifice recently. She actually is one that would tell you that she thinks mornings are illegal. She thinks alarms are from the devil. She uh, thinks that you shouldn't be allowed. It should be illegal to drive your car before the sun is rising or has risen um, so this is all illegal to her. Um, and, well, she's also in volleyball. Well, in volleyball, they have tournaments, and you have to be there early. So the other day, I had to wake her up at 5 o'clock in the morning before the sunrise. And, uh, and I'm sure she loves the way I go in there to wake her up because I literally, her room is freezing. She leaves the window open, so I go walk into her room, and it's so cold. So what I do is I crawl into her bed and start nudging her out <laughs> of her bed because I need to be warm in this process. And, of course, she's screaming at me and telling me, not screaming, she's very nice, but she'll whine. There it is. That's the word I'm looking for. Mom, just five more minutes. I'm like, get out of bed. And I'll just start, like, poking and nudging and eventually shoving her until she's falling onto the floor. But it's cold in her room, so I like to just stay there and watch her suffer while I'm in the warmth of her bed um, for a little while. But anyway, that's how I wake her up. The truth is, <clears throat> at 5 in the morning, she's not happy about getting up, and, and it's one of the things that she's decided is, is not okay and it's not allowed. And uh, so while I say this is really a silly example, because she loves volleyball more, right? So she's willing to get up at 5 a.m. for volleyball, Right? It's a sacrifice that she's willing to make. What we're talking about today is there's going to be lots of times in our life where we realize a sacrifice needs to be made. And we have to be willing to see that that sacrifice is needed. Right? And sometimes it won't be a sacrifice that we're as willing to make. But we realize that for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, that making those, making those sacrifices are going to honor and bless him and even shine a light for Christ in it. Uh, so that's our kind of our key verse to get us started this morning is uh, John.
John 15, 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Right? Greater love is no. I mean, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. So that's really what spurs on a lot of our uh, stuff this morning. Because this verse really does teach me there really is no greater love than sacrifice. Amen? I mean, real love, this kind of sacrificial love, a love that actually chooses uh, to set aside any pretension for the blessing and benefit of other people. You know, I think about it, I say, well, Jesus sacrificed his very life for us. For He sacrificed his life for me. So that question that it leaves inside of me is, am I willing to make sacrifices that are hard? Well, I actually demonstrate this kind of sacrificial love for others. Would, would I be willing to sacrifice my plans or um, let go of uh, expectations that I have um, over someone else? Or, or would I be willing to demonstrate in any way this kind of love that Jesus has for me? You know, of course, when I asked about those annoying things that, that drive us crazy, I know they're silly, but the truth is if we leave those emotions unchecked, they'll easily become greater things, right? I mean, there's a reason uh, that there's discord in my home. And I think it's because my kids will let those little tiny annoyances really build and grow and become bigger deals to them than anything else. And then what it leads to is verbal rejection among siblings, right? Or slander toward one another. It could even lead to physical abuse, or maybe uh, in a way to try and get what we want, we kind of turn toward dishonesty or, or some sort of dishonest gain in our relationships. I think of uh, like explosive anger or becoming easily offended with other people or even making wrong assumptions of someone. Uh, but what it does produce in us is kind of a disagreeable attitude. Would you agree? I mean, the more we let something negative inside of us annoy or frustrate us, the more it builds up inside of us, we become extremely disagreeable, like we'll become unadaptable, inflexible, argumentative, right? I mean, I know we're all guilty of these things sometimes. I mean, I, I hope I'm not preaching just to myself, but I do know that there, we're all guilty of these things sometimes. And, but the, the truth on the other side of it is we've also seen the destruction that some negativity brings toward other people. We can even see how in other relationships around us, those relationships could have been so much better if, we, if the situation would have been handled differently. And even though we see it and we know it, the question is, why do we keep choosing them? And the truth is, I think it's because we let those little things stew up inside of us, those little annoyances and frustrations that kind of brew inside of us to the point that we actually turn it towards a justification that maybe someone, we might start thinking that someone deserves our unkindness. Do you hear that? Oh, that's kind of what our verse this morning digs into. This is Luke 6, 43 to 45. It says this. It says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That's our key. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Even in Matthew, it says the same thing. Matthew twelve thirty four says, Out of the overflow of the heart... 
the mouth speaks. So if our hearts become consumed with negativity, that's what will come out of our mouths, right? I like the analogy of the saturated sponge. I think Pastor Greg has used that analogy here uh, in church before. I've used it with kids' ministries before too. But if you think about a sponge that's saturated, if our hearts become consumed with worry or hatred or jealousy, ultimately when pressure is applied, that's what comes out right? A saturated sponge, you squeeze it and that's what comes out. Whatever's in it is what comes out. That's ultimately what comes out of us too, correct? Uh, You know, the truth is we may never intend for negativity to come out, but if that's what's been festering inside of us, that's what's going to come out. And I I believe that, you know, it's it's really interesting to me because I see it like with my kids and I'm sure I do it also myself, is that we have this way where... In honesty, we think it's easy to justify our own choices or even to easily excuse ourselves from the very things that we know we would like to see changed in other relationships around us. And and we actually know what would bring greater peace. We see a path of greater peace, but sometimes we just have a hard time walking in it. Isn't that true? I see it in our families, you know, especially right now, right? We're home a little bit extra, and so we're around each other a little bit extra. Um, So here's the key, I would say. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Those are key, right? Guard our hearts. This is kind of an active response, a choice that we actually have to make, that we would choose to turn our minds from negative thinking, which is so hard sometimes, isn't it? But that we would then choose instead to absorb our minds in positivity, in truth, and in love, which again is so hard to do, especially when our emotions are high. But choosing instead to view our situation, are you ready for this? I say this to my kids all the time and you're going to love me for it. Choose instead to look at a situation that's frustrating or difficult or hard as a growth opportunity. Oh, my kids hate it when I say that. (laughs) When something really awful is happening, when they're having a really hard time, and I'm like, growth opportunity. They just want to smack me. But the truth is, they know I'm right. I think we'll get to it in a little bit, but it's, it's just true. I think all around us, if we can look with positivity at a situation and be like, all right, growth opportunity, pull up my bootstraps and let's go. I think it might change our perspective. Look with me. Actually, Paul gives us some really good direction in Philippians 4, 4 through 8. He says this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Oh, don't miss that. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, come back to that too, thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he ends with this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Right? I think we're being taught here to absorb our minds in these things, to saturate our hearts in God's truth, and then to rejoice in the Lord. How often? 
always. That means in those situations that are so hard, we're being called to rejoice in the Lord, even in those hard situations. You know, if we truly spend more time rejoicing in the Lord, that's what will flow from us. Amen? Even in those challenging situations and those challenging times, if I'm rejoicing in the Lord, what's going to happen is I'm going to end up starting to see and understand more the way that he would desire for me to be gentle and not anxious. That if I would rejoice in the Lord always, I would have a heart that would be so full of thanksgiving that his peace would be what would guide me through the challenging times and the hard stuff I'm dealing with. And here's the thing. As I was writing this message, I thought, you know, I know how my kids would respond. So I apologize, but I'm thinking like my kids. My kids would be like, Mom, you don't get it. That's what my kids would say. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I know in this room, many of us will say, but, but you don't know the hard situation I'm in. Kind of like my kids would be like, you don't get it, mom. It's true. But um, we might even think, gosh, you don't, I don't know the impossible situation or maybe even the impossible people that you might be working with or the negativity you might feel like you're surrounded by. Or even the biggest thing for me is maybe it's attitudes of other people that drive us down and make us feel sad The truth is, I might not know your exact situation. Oh, but I know God does. And the truth is, God knows your situation, and it's his word that will never fail. That's why he calls us to rejoice in him always, to rejoice in his truth, to praise his holy name, because he does know your situation, and he knows the most positive way through it. He knows the best and most beneficial way through whatever situation we might find ourselves in. And I'll tell you this, it will be in our worship. That when we bring our requests to God, just like this verse was saying, bring your request to him, it says, with thanksgiving that I would trust him to work in the situation that I'm in. And that's where his peace will come from, in your trust. His peace will come in your rejoicing. His peace will come in your surrender to him. Oh, I can't tell you how many times that I've sat in front of my fireplace at home and just cried out to God in whatever situation that I'm dealing with or a struggle that I'm in. And what I love is that God is so gentle with me because in those moments that I feel like I'm just crying out to him, Gently, he's reminding me the importance of surrender. That if I would just surrender my anxious thoughts over to him, if I would just rest in his unfailing love, if I would trust him to fill my mind with the truths that he gives, that, that I would start to see a better path. That those things that I was crying out to him for, he'll start to work in me a greater understanding of truth and the best, most blessing in the way forward. The truth is, I've seen it as I'm crying out to him in those moments because I can feel him patiently and gently guiding my heart back to him, guiding my thinking back home with him. 
because he's giving me that time to come and eventually just fully surrender everything that I'm praying over to him. And that, that's where thanksgiving and rejoicing enters in my prayer because God knows what I'm going through. I know that he hears me, and ultimately I know his plan is for good. I trust that, and in I am able to receive his grace to help me And it gives me this new heart of praise for all that I know he's doing or will do. Or it even gives me the confidence in knowing that he'll walk with me even when things are extremely hard. Especially when things are extremely hard. Knowing that he's just near. That's what that verse said. The Lord is near. And his peace, I know, will settle over me when I come to him and ask of it. Remember Abraham in the Bible? He's 99 years old before Isaac was born. So what we learn is that Abraham waited 25 years before he actually saw how the Lord had already been working. I mean, he never stopped working in this situation. But 25 years later, Isaac is born. And he sees the fulfillment of what God had promised and how God had been working in the situation all along. Even think about the Israelites, too. They were set set free from slavery in Egypt, but they spent more than 40 years in the desert before they entered the promised land. So I want you to consider those years, are you ready for this? Growth opportunities, right? (laughs) 40 years in the desert, like, oh man, I can't even imagine 40 years in the desert. Um, And they did complain a lot, but I will tell you, growth opportunities, right? I bet in that time, God was able to teach them some really great things, show them even more and more and more how to trust him. I mean, I wonder if at the end of all that, they're like, oh, yeah, we should have trusted you all along, right? (laughs) I wonder if God in that is helping them find peace even in those moments where they needed to trust him. Because in those opportunities, I mean, call it that all week long. Every time you reach opposition, be like, growth opportunity. God is going to teach me something, even if it's patience. Whatever it is, God's going to teach me something. And that's, I guess, the biggest question for us to go from here is say, do we really trust God? in those really difficult, hard situations. You know, I love, actually, Tony Evans gives a really good analogy, so I'm going to share it right now because he talks about with the Israelites at the Red Sea that there's actually two big miracles that happen there. And uh, I love how he said it because he's like, here the Israelites were facing the Red Sea, so in front of them is impassable. So what they see in front of them is impossible. If they go into the Red Sea, they're gonna, they'll, they'll die. Or behind them is the Egyptian army coming back for them to take them back to slavery. So they were definitely stuck in what seemed like a very impossible situation. Would you agree? Impossible situation before them. And God did two things. Big miracle, yeah, he parted the Red Sea. I mean, that's huge, right? So God, first of all, <clears throat> provided for them by, by parting the Red Sea. But miracle number two, I think, is easy to miss. He dried the ground. He made the way doable. He made the way possible. I mean, think about it. If he had just parted the Red Sea and they just trudged forward, they would have sunk in the mud for sure. And I think it is a great reminder for us to say, where do I feel stuck in the mud? Because maybe I'm not on God's path because God's path will be doable. 
He's not just going to make a way, but he's going to make the way doable. And if you're in a situation where you feel stuck, maybe God is giving you a growth opportunity, right? To choose to be absorbing yourself in his truths, to be rejoicing in the Lord, knowing that he's got a plan for you, rejoicing in what he's going to do in the situation that you're in, because he is going to make that path doable. I think about situations where maybe we feel stuck in the mud, like if we've lost a job or maybe a really scary medical diagnosis, or I know schooling from home is just seems impossible, uh, at least for my kids. Some of it is just really hard for them. Raising children is hard. I said this before. It's exhausting. If you're a parent, right? Am I right? Um, and it gets more exhausting in different ways as they get older because now we're like, we're helping like grow their understanding of Christ as they get older. I mean, when they're little, it's like raising them up. It's way different. I have teenagers now. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's where this came from. I don't know, right? Because I think, honestly, um, I see in my kids growth opportunities that they don't see, right? Oh, you don't think that's funny. I'm telling you. <clears throat> I just wonder how many growth opportunities I miss because I allow something to fester and brew inside of me that's not from Christ, right? Um, okay, <laughs> it's really, this is what I would say, is it really is so easy to start justifying uh, poor decisions and responses instead of trusting God, um, instead of fully, fully surrendering to him, uh, because we have, this, uh, we have this keen way of our, in ourselves where we feel like we really need to take control in a situation. We kind of get in this place where we think we need to get ourselves out of the mud, Right? And in that moment, we, start, we actually stop trusting God. I think this is really a call for us to get back on a path that God wants to have for us. And that path will be more doable in the place where we rejoice in his truth, in a place where our prayers can be done with thanksgiving for all we know he's doing in our path. That uh, we would actually, in that way, be willing to make some sacrifices for the blessing of of others. Even, oh, this is a big, this is a big thing in my home. Uh, this is what we say with our kids all the time. Um, making sacrifices for the blessing of others, even if we don't think they deserve it. Did you hear that? That's what we say all the time. Kids, love your, love your siblings, even if you don't think they deserve it. Because that's when we go sideways, is we start believing that someone doesn't deserve our love. And yet, I didn't deserve God's. And that should be what humbles me to remind myself to love, even if I don't think someone deserves it. <clears throat> and then when I, we were talking about absorbing ourselves in God's truth, that was the very bottom of Philippians 4, 8. That very last verse uh, in Philippians that we just read says this, and this is what we want to saturate our minds with. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So that's my challenge for us. What, what is our hearts and our minds filled with? Because I guarantee if our hearts and our minds are filled with these things, that's what's going to overflow like that saturated sponge analogy, right? If we're full of truth and everything that is right and pure and good and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy, that's what will flow from our mouths. So think about it again one more time before we move on.
Is there an area in your life that does feel like it's undoable or impossible, where you feel stuck, maybe in a relationship that's really suffering right now? I hope what we're learning today is that God has a better path, and I think we'll learn even more of it right here in Colossians 3, 15 to 18, because Christ, uh, through God's word, it says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Did you hear all those times in that one passage, the peace of Christ ruling in your hearts? with thanksgiving, with songs of praise, with hymns, songs in the spirit, with gratitude in your hearts, being thankful. I mean, all those words, those are big words, especially, I mean, it's easy to say them right now, but especially in a moment when your emotions are high or that frustration is brewing inside of you, that God is saying this, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. You know that word rule? I said, oh, rule over umpire, direct, uh, call the shots, mediate, be in control. The Bible is saying, let the peace of Christ rule or be in control of how you interact with people. Because if it's not his peace that's ruling in our hearts, then something else will. Anger, frustration, fear, anxiety. So consider whatever situation you're in right now, What is it that's ruling your response in it? Because our minds will be ruled in some way. That's what Romans 6.16 tells us. Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? So letting the peace of Christ, it's either the peace of Christ's ruling or it's sin, or anxiety, or fear, or for something's going to rule. Will it be the peace of Christ, or will it be negativity of evil ruling in your heart? But I'll say this, I know that the peace of Christ is able to transcend all understanding. Think about that. Transcend all understanding. The peace of Christ can can transcend all understanding. So it doesn't make sense sometimes how I can have joy in a hard situation. It doesn't make sense sometimes that I can rejoice always or that I can have thanksgiving even in a really hard situation. But that's the peace of Christ that's able to transcend that understanding. And then this verse in Romans 6.16 when it says, whether you're saved saved to sin, which leads to death, or obedience, which leads to righteousness, what I'm learning is that it's God's greater love, which we talked about already, that requires sacrifice. But I'll say this, that sacrifice truly comes from obedience, which leads to righteousness in that verse we just read. So greater love happens when, and I'm reading this, that greater love happens when we actually follow his commands, when we walk in his ways, because Here's the truth. It was by his love that we even have the gospel to begin with. It's by his love that we have these commands that were meant for our good. 
And it's by his love that I have eternal life in his name. And he knows, and I trust that he knows, that there is greater blessing when we follow in his ways. Consider the way we choose to respond, especially in frustrating situations. I think what, we, what is another big point for us to realize is that the way we respond in those situations is more a reflection of Christ in us than anything else especially in frustrating situations, right? The truth is it's super easy to be nice to people if we think they deserve it, right? Think about it. Super easy. I can be nice all day long. It's a little bit harder if I think you've offended me or hurt my feelings. Um, It's harder to choose uh, to reflect Christ in in those moments, right? To show love or be kind. But here's the thing. I believe that our best witness for Jesus really does shine through when we surprise people with love and kindness and peace, especially in a situation that others might justify anger. That's where our greatest witness comes from. That's what demonstrates the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts, transcending all understanding. Like I said, it doesn't make sense when you would normally justify anger to actually respond with a kindness and a peace and a patience with others, that we would actually be an example of of the good of Christ that can come through a difficult situation. And I'll say this, it's in our obedience that we become the example of righteousness. It kind of comes back to that saturated sponge. In any difficult situation, pressure, that's where pressure is applied, right? Like I said, it's easy to be kind all day long if we think people deserve it. But when pressure is applied, what flows from that sponge is what our minds and hearts are full of. You know, if we snap (laughs) in anger or negativity, that's what's been brewing inside of us, right? But if instead we actually choose in a situation to be patient, if we choose maybe to seek to understand somebody, or if we try and turn away from being easily offended in a situation, and even humbly remind ourselves of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us because we didn't deserve it, the truth is, I promise, we will respond out of an overflow of the heart with gentleness, kindness, goodness, and grace. Amen? I want to share with you um, the truthful, you know, in our family, I think this, and I think if you're a parent, you, you understand this too. There are so many ways in my family where I see my kids treating each other, you know, in a way that's not very nice. And, um, I see them and I think, I know how this could go so much better. When I see my kids and the way they interact with each other, it's as a parent, like, it's obvious. If you would just be kind, or if you would have just sacrificed, or if you would have just given this up, or if you would have just, just, ah! (laughs) And I wonder, to be honest, if sometimes our Heavenly Father looks at us and says, if you would just, know what I'm talking about. As a parent, sometimes it's so hard to see our kids make poor choices because we can see it from over here. How much better it would go if they would just love each other. And it doesn't do me very good to yell at them. (laughs) Would you just love each other? Because um, I'm not being the example 
for them either if I'm yelling to love them. Anyway, <clears throat> get back to God's word. <laughs> Here's the truth. Uh, I do think that uh, the way that we respond in situations, it really does show what we truly believe. Do I believe that the peace of God is ruling in my heart, that God is in control? Because I believe that it's his peaceful rule that can be trusted more than my negativity. And I believe that the truth is if I'm feeling this negativity inside of me and I respond negatively to it, that's when I think I need to take control of my emotions, right? That's when I think I need to be the one that's in control. And, and when my emotions are high, I'm going to choose wrong almost every time because I'm going to justify my negativity, right? So we have to believe that God's in control. Because if I believe that I need to take control, what's actually happening is I'm disbelieving that God is in control. And if we choose a path that doesn't honor God, man, that's me not trusting him. And that hurts right here just a little bit, realizing that I've taken and removed my trust from God. And then I end up on a path that I know actually won't lead to anything good. I ask my kids this all the time. I'm like, how did that work out for you? <laughs> They're like, oh... Yeah. Did, I'll say to them, well, you know, did, did that turn out the way you'd hoped? And most of the time they're like, mm, no. Mm -mm. I'm talking about times when they exploded each other anyway. But the truth is, it always leads my kids to a place where they feel regret or shame or heartache or even guilt because they see the destruction that they caused. If we go back to that analogy that uh, Tony Evans said, they feel stuck in the mud, right? I mean, if you walk down a path where you really broke in a relationship, you feel stuck in the mud, don't you? Because now where do we go from here? I didn't work out so well. I didn't trust God. And now I'm stuck in this situation, which brings us right back to that very first verse this morning when we read John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. That's what Jesus did for me. He died for me. That means his love is greater, more powerful, more purposeful than I could ever dream of on my own. And look at Romans 5, 8. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. <clears throat> While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. Not when I deserved it. Not when I had it all together. Not when I did anything to earn it, right? The Bible says he died for us while we were sinners. When we didn't do anything to deserve it. So here's my question. Why do we ever think that someone should have to earn our love? Right? But that's essentially what we do often, right? Right? But the truth is, God did not choose, or I did not choose him first. He chose me first. While I was still a sinner, Christ chose to die for me. In the most difficult situation of all, Christ chose sacrifice to die, to take my place. He took the wage of my sin. So I have to ask myself again and again and again, why is it that I would ever expect someone else to earn my love or my compassion? I didn't have to earn it from God. He wants me to give it freely, even when people don't deserve it in my eyes. Because he says, your job is to, is to respond in love the way I've called you to. Look at 
John 15, 12, he says that. He says, my command is this, that you would love each other as I have loved you. And then look at John 13, 34 and 35. He says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, what's interesting about this is that Jesus actually spoke these words before he went to the cross. He hadn't gone to the cross yet. So I want you to, for a minute, just to put yourself in the disciples' shoes. He hadn't died on the cross. Like, we get it. We know how the story ends because we've read this in our Bible. Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. Well, this is a moment before that happened. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, a new command I give you. They're like, all right, new command, love one another. All right, okay. As I have loved you so much, love one another. Okay. I just imagine the disciples are like, awesome. You know, everything God says is good. Yep, okay, I'm going to love, I'm going to love my neighbor. Okay, just like Jesus loves me. Sounds good. And then... He goes to the cross, and then he dies, and then he rises from the grave, and then they say, oh, I get it now. How many of you have these, like, aha moments? You're like, oh, that's what you meant when you said, as I have loved you, love, that changes everything. You just died on the cross for me. You're telling me to love as you loved me, and you just died on the cross. Like, I just, I imagine that that's really what spurred on for the disciples the way, the passion that they had in sharing the gospel. Because they were there. They were present in seeing Jesus die on the cross and rise from the grave. And then they're like, and he said to love this way. I mean, every disciple, to the point of death, with extreme passion, shared the gospel. Oh, I want that to be me. I want to have that kind of passion in the way that I share the gospel, in the way that I live every breath that I breathe in my life would reflect Christ. And that's what he says, love one another as I have loved you. That changes the way I relate to people. It changes the way I make choices. It changes the way we raise our children. It changes the way I spend my time. Because I imagine this is what he's asked of me. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I absorb my mind in his truth. Especially in those moments that I feel like things are so hard and I don't know if I can possibly be kind and I want to justify some negative response to someone. In those moments, if I can just remind myself, but Jesus died for me and he said, Love others in the same way. Even in my house, I'm like, even when it's hard. (laughs) That's a big, huge theme in our home. Even when it's hard. Look with me at Colossians 9.22. Paul actually writes this. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. You know, That right there is gospel living, amen? That this is a love that's beyond understanding. This is sacrificial love. And this is the example that we are called to set, that others might see Jesus in us and actually turn toward his saving grace for their lives as well because of the example that we're called to set. You know, 
Jesus, in dying for me, when it says, while I was still a sinner, that means he died for me long before I received his grace. That I, you could even say I was, I was an enemy of God or, or that I was far from God. He died while I was still a sinner. Jesus died for me, not when I deserved it. So he says to me the same thing. How far are you willing to go to sacrifice for others? How much are you willing to give up so that someone else might see Jesus in you? Am I willing to sacrifice my pride or my selfishness? Or this is the hardest one for me. Am I willing to sacrifice my right to be right? Because you know moms are always right, right? Right, but it's not right for me to yell at my kids to be nice, right? Am I willing to sacrifice in order to be able to shine a light for Jesus, rejoicing in his truth, shining my light through worship in my Savior with thanksgiving and gentleness because of all that he's done for me. You know, we had this discussion as a family the other day um, because in our culture, I feel like that word love, it's used in so many different ways and not always as an action word. Like, you know, I love going to the movies. I love going out for dinner. Uh, I love playing tennis. These are things, you know, right? These are just like describing words. I love bread and pizza and hot tamales, right? These are just describing words. I think it becomes really easy, and we have a tendency even to minimize that word love by its real meaning in Christ, an agape love, an unconditional love, a love that seeks the interests of others above my own, a love that makes a choice to bless someone else in a way that is regardless of whether I think they deserve it or not. I'm not deserving. I think we forget sometimes because love is so flippantly used in our culture we forget that love is really a way of living. It's a way of doing. The Bible even says that God is love, right? And so our responsibility is to become an extension of that with other people. That we're called to love like Jesus and surrender like Jesus and make sacrifices like Jesus. Surrendering to his lordship, which is obedience to his word. I don't think there's any greater blessing than living life in that way with Christ. So this is my challenge for us. I'm going to close with this. Got a couple things. Our our challenge is in those moments where we feel extremely frustrated or there's just these little annoyances that are just building up inside, whatever hard situation that we are in, that we would actually take a moment to pause. Whenever we feel frustrated or, or we feel even fear or temptation, that we would pause long enough to really hear Christ and give him opportunity to fill us with his peace. That we would actually choose in that moment to surrender our very thoughts over to Jesus because Jesus will walk with us. And I know that he'll cover us with his peace and that he'll help us respond with gentleness and grace. That if we allow him just a pause long enough to fill our minds instead with 
what Philippians says, what is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. If we give him time to do that in a moment where we feel frustrated. And then if we would also, in that moment of pause, actually take a minute to remind ourselves of his grace for you. Remind ourselves of the sacrifice that he made for us. Reminding ourselves that his path of peace actually has greater potential in your situation than however you were feeling in the moment. And then our biggest challenge then is to actually walk in that way. That we would let the peace of Christ actually rule in our hearts and in the way we respond with people. That there would be rejoicing and thanksgiving. I don't think I, you know, anytime I ever take long enough to remind myself of God's sacrifice for me, it changes how I respond to the people around me. So the more I let him rule in my heart, that's where rejoicing and thanksgiving comes from. Because even if my situation is still hard, I can rejoice in the truth of his word. I can rejoice in thanksgiving that he's working and that his situation is far better than the way I want to handle it right now. Does that make sense? (laughs) That in it, I'll be able to find gentleness that will shine through instead of the frustration that I might initially be feeling. And that's when I know that we'll be able to see Jesus move more fully in our life, in our families, and even in our community. Amen? Would you guys stand with me and we'll pray together this morning. Father, we come before you. God, We are humble. We are humbled by your grace and your love. God, that you have given us so freely a love that is greater and beyond our understanding. God, I just pray in this week ahead of us that we would find and seek these growth opportunities in front of us, God, and that we'll take those opportunities and times, God, to pause long enough, God, to fill ourselves with your truths, to fill our minds with what is good from you, God, and that we will operate from a place, God, that is full of your truth, full of your love, full of your grace and mercy. God, that we would be able to extend that toward others because of what you're doing in us, God. I pray that we would just let that be what flows from us all weekend in front of us, God, that you would teach us that we would grow from it and we learn from you, God, this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great week. Thanks for being here. We will see you next week. Amen.